Jeff Tarpley from Gigum 24-7. Jeff, how you doing today? I'm doing great, guys. How are you doing? Uh, we're good. Tell us uh, tell us a little bit about what's going on in, uh, in Aggieland. They're getting ready for a big game. I, we'll, we'll talk recruiting in a little bit, but talk, talk to us a little bit about this matchup that they've got going on this weekend. For A&M, it's just taking care of business. That means doing what they've been doing all season, running the football, uh, stopping the run, putting Tennessee's young quarterbacks in long yardage situations by controlling uh, the line of scrimmage on first and second down. Uh, Tennessee is is one of the worst teams in the SEC at converting third down, primarily because they haven't gotten very good quarterback play all season. They've actually, uh, you know, they have talent. It's interesting. They do have a pretty decent interior on the offensive line. Uh, the receiving core has some athletes. Eric Gray is a running back, uh, former five-star, if I remember correctly, that A&M wanted. Their defense, they, they've got guys with pedigrees. I think I was looking yesterday, uh, all four of their, of their their front four seniors. So this is a team that you look at them on paper, and you can see why they were ranked in the top 25, but they just self-destructed in so many ways, particularly not by getting anything out of that quarterback spot that they've just made it easy easy for the opposition to be able to do enough to win football games, not only always in a pretty manner, but certainly to win by double digits. And I think that's what you'll see A&M do on Saturday. Let's talk to us about the recruiting class of this early signing period. I know that, uh, you know, the Aggies were moving up uh, pretty much every day as we got to Wednesday. Uh, what did they sign? Where do you think they go with this late signing period? And then I, I'm asking you a three-part question here, but how many how many guys do you see coming back and in, in, in how maybe Coach Fisher might try to balance all this out? You know what? I'll start with the, the last one first. I, there's been talk, you know, I think everybody would like to see at least one of those senior offensive linemen come back. I think that's going to be kind of problematic because those guys have been through the wars for four years. In the case of uh, senior center Ryan McCollum, this is his, his fifth year. He's married, even if he's uh, getting his NBA. It's hard to see him wanting, even a guy like that, perhaps wanting to come back for, for another year when he can get on out there and get into civilian life, so to speak. And that's if he's not drafted. These are all guys that have probably played their way into the NFL draft. And as we've seen, even if you don't, uh, even if you're not a high draft pick, even if you're a free agent, you can still pick up some pretty decent coin making a practice squad and put yourself in position on down the road to get some playing time and then get a second contract because the younger guys are just so much cheaper. So for a lot of these guys, it's it's just not something that no matter how bad you want it to happen, it just usually doesn't happen. And I think, too, from the standpoint of a lot of coaches, they're just wanting to turn over their rosters and get those younger guys in there because it's always the lure of the unknown. You know, if they bring in this guy, maybe he'll be better than what they know they have. He's more upside and for Jimbo Fisher, he's trying to build a national championship caliber program, and the A&M's on the cusp of the playoffs. But what's going on behind the guys that are on that roster right now, they're certainly stacking more talented classes, at least on paper, 
than, than what they even have on the roster. Uh, in terms of the recruiting class, Jimbo Fisher always wanted to close strongly, and that's something that even with the early signing period and the way coaches and programs recruit earlier than ever, Fisher has always worked on that. He's always been an advocate of that. The A&M recruits differently with Fisher. They don't extend a million offers uh, across the college football landscape. They find their guys, they evaluate them, they zero in on them, they get them, and that's what happened this time. You know, And you have to wait on guys such as Shamar Turner out of Soto. Uh, guys like that are, are just not going to commit to you early. They've got too many suitors. They have too many options. They want to take, you know, they want to take their Zoom phone calls, as many of them as, as possible. So for guys like that, you, you, you're going to have to close regardless of whether everybody else is, is doing that or not. In terms of the strength of the class, right now they've got nine guys committed that can play on the offensive or defensive line. If they can get uh, the Katie, and I'm sorry, I'm looking this up, the uh, Bryce Foster, Katie uh, Taylor guard. Uh, he, he's a four-star, almost a five-star caliber player, though. Uh, you add him to the mix, that gives you a complete set of offensive linemen. Fisher likes to be able to control the line of scrimmage. It gives him options as a play caller and as a game manager that a lot of people don't understand, you know, but when you get in short yardage and you're trying, you know, you're making your third downs problematic. You're trying to stay out of third and long. Uh, these are the kind of guys that enable you to win those small, seemingly small situations that, change over into eventually into bigger victories and enable you to win football games and big football games. And, and so Fisher's doing those types of things. I think what A&M will look to do for the late signing period, they'll look to add transfers if there are any out there worth taking. They'll also try to close on some of the skill position guys, uh, such as L.J. Johnson out of uh, uh down in the Houston area, who's the state's top-ranked running back. So when you can do – and those guys, anyway, again, it comes down to the same thing as, as when you're talking about a five-star lineman. The skill guys like that, except at the quarterback spot, those guys, it's an early thing for them. But for the skill position guys, the receivers, the running backs, they're just so highly sought after. you got to be a little more patient with them. And so A&M's doing that. They're fitting their tactics to the kids. And yeah, talk, Fisher understands how to do that better than anybody. Yeah, talking with Jeff Tarpley, Gigum two four seven. Jeff, let me ask you, uh, with the with Dave Aranda being new at Baylor, with Tom Herman having the issues of whether he's going to come back, them court and Urban Meyer, do you see uh, do you see the pendulum of what's going on in the state recruiting in the state? Do you see that swinging A and M's way? I think it already has swung A and M's way. I, I, when A&M went and joined the SEC, and I think some people in the state kind of picked up on this even before it happened, that the SEC was going to start making inroads into Texas. LSU had been doing that for years. Uh, this was a, became a real invitation for Alabama to do so. Some of the other SEC schools uh, kind of did the same thing. People forget this. Urban Meyer used to come in from Florida and, and take a top prospect or two almost every year. 
But now with A&M under a coach like Fisher and, a, you know, a guy who's an elite recruiter who is – and also he's not just pers- elite from a personable standpoint. He's elite from a planning and organizational standpoint. So he's what he wants to do, he's putting it into action. Now with A&M beginning to win, you're seeing him stack up this kind of classes in state that the other schools are going to have a hard time matching, not just within the state of Texas, but let's say off the field, your, your rivals such as Oklahoma and, and Oklahoma State. And now you're beginning to beat out people like Alabama for, for more than one kid. You're, you're beating them out for one or two kids a year. You're, you're beating out the Ohio State. And that's one of Texas' problems, for example. Ohio State seems to come down into the Austin area every year and take a kid that Texas wants, and that really shouldn't be happening. Well, A&M's able to kind of, when they're, when they're going head-to-head with Ohio State, uh, within the state, they're actually able to send Ohio State off. Well, what's eventually going to happen is these elite recruiting classes are going to turn into elite teams on the field. And that's where Jimbo Fisher is earning his money. And that's where A&M is going to see the investment that they've made in the program really begin to pay off. Talking with Jeff Tarpley at Giggum 247. Jeff, you mentioned some of the recruits and especially those linemen. And it seems like A&M did. They, they put an emphasis on uh, getting guys in the trenches in this recruiting class. How important is that, especially now with them playing in the SEC? I remember going to dinner with some friends of mine uh, who went to some, some of the Big 12 schools. Uh, or I would say, I guess, midway through the, the first season that A&M was in the SEC. And this was when Johnny Manziel was, was running wild. And, and they were wanting to talk to me about Manziel. And I said, hey, look, guys, I said, you know, Manziel's great to cut, you know, from a coverage standpoint, you can't get any better. But even when you play a team like Mississippi State, a team you just don't associate with being in an upper echelon SEC school, just the fact that A&M would go out and, and play these guys week after week with these 300-pound guys on both lines just stacked, even at play, you know, even at even at a program that was going four and eight, uh, you know, even at a 500 program. I think Mississippi State finished seven and five that season. You know, it's just kind of like every week is just all that size and all that depth, and so that's what Fisher, having spent, and people forget this, he may have won a national title at Florida State, but but Jimbo, ben, Jimbo Fisher is an SEC coach. He spent a lot of time in the conference, and he understands you've got to stack that kind of size and that kind of depth to compete in the conference, and that goes back to that first year. I'll just never forget it. It was just like, wow, every week. There's all these big bodies, and, and, you know, somebody has an injury. Someone else comes in who weighs 300 pounds. Well, A&M is getting to the point where they're going to be able to do the same thing. They're going to be able to stack those bodies, and then somebody else is going to be playing them going, man, where do they get all, where, you know, where do they get all these, these sides? Where do they get all these guys? A&M is very, very close to being in that position. They're definitely in that position on the defensive front. When you watch it another year, they're going to be that way on the offensive front as well. Would you look last week at how LSU upset Florida? And was there ever any consideration to cancel this game this week with Tennessee and prepare for a bowl game like some of the other conferences have done as of late? I think A&M is in the position vis-a-vis the other teams in the playoffs where they, they just don't have that luxury. 
uh, how you know how state if there's a concern on Ohio State's part, it's the fact that they've only played five games. We're you know that hasn't really been a factor yet with the committee. Uh, in, in when it comes down to it, in terms of the rankings, however, they it, it, at one point it was a topic of discussion for the committee. Gary Barta, who was who is the uh, Iowa athletic director and, and you know chairman of the CFP committee, he even mentioned this after uh, in, in one of the conference calls after uh, they they brought the rankings out. So I think from that standpoint, Ohio State needs understands that it needs to keep playing football games. I think A&M understands also that it needs to keep playing football games too. It can't sit there and let Ohio State have the luxury of not playing football. Uh, It's got to sit there and and have a sense of urgency to continue to play these games, to sit there and put pressure on the Buckeyes and teams in front of them and also the teams behind them and go, hey, look, we're a pretty good football team. We're not pretty, but we go on, you know, we're, we're, we can go just about anywhere. We run the ball on anybody. We play good defense, and we'll wind up winning the football game. And that's something that shouldn't be taken uh, as as LSU showed Florida. That's something that's not to be taken for granted. And so, also, and one and last thing too, A and M had that stretch where they didn't play for a couple of weeks, and. The, Jimbo Fisher did not want to use that as an excuse in their first game back against LSU. But since then, they've only played uh, Auburn. Uh, They're not going to be able to play Ole Miss. So from a question of playing the game and being able to not just show people what they're made of, but also play one more game before they get to the bowls uh, to, to stay sharp, to stay focused, I think they need it from that standpoint as well. Talking with Jeff Tar- Tarpley from Giggum 247. Jeff, I, you never want to be, and, and I, I'll never forget this, I was with the Cowboys and Larry Lacewell was one of his great sayings after we lost Troy Aikman, you never want to be stumbling around in the quarterback wilderness. With the Kellen Mond probably going to move on, what do, we have, what do the Aggies have to look forward to after he's, after he's moved on from a quarterback standpoint? I think the guy that most everyone's excited about is, is the freshman from Longview, Haynes King. Uh, his dad was a coach. Uh, King won a state title as a junior. He is an interesting guy from the standpoint he's a great athlete, but he never had a dedicated private quarterback coach in high school. And he... He was multi-sport athlete, so he didn't spend nearly as much time at the position as his peers did. Uh, I watched him at the opening uh, going back a year and a half ago now. It was really interesting because he got the type of work that his peers had gotten that he really hadn't been able to get. It didn't take him long for him to pick up on and correct things that, People wanted to see him do differently. And in addition, when you had him compete, you know, head-to-head kind of competition things, uh, he always really rose to the occasion. He made the throws. He was sharper uh, than he had been, let's say, when they're just like, well, you know, do this drill, do that drill. You can just tell the competitor to him really rose to the surface. 
they've they've also got the uh, incoming freshman Eli Stowers from Denton Geyer, who's a big, strong kid. You know, he's the type of kid. He's great athlete. He can throw the ball through a wall. To use the old term. Uh, Zach Calzada, the veteran, hasn't played this year. He played last year as a freshman. They kind of with with not being able to play non-conference games against the type of opponents that you usually see in those types of outings, you're, you're you got to pick and choose who gets your playing time. And so Calzada got some playing time last year. Well, this year they need to evaluate King for the spring of 2021. And so that's what they've done. They played King. Calzada, people have kind of forgotten about him. He's got a really, really good arm. The ball really comes out quickly for him. So those are going to be the guys competing in the spring. Uh, again, the buzz around the program is about King, but everybody's going to get an equal shot at winning the position. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. Uh, one last thing, too. People have been asking the last couple of days, hey, look, what about a transfer, getting a veteran in there, maybe a transition, getting King another year to get your feet wet. The problem is, is that well, there's two problems. One, Fisher runs a – it's not a complicated offense as much as there's just a lot of – there's a lot of – he runs a lot of different concepts within his offense. It's not just one thing. It's West Coast, power spread. Air Raid runs a lot of different concepts within within his attack. And the other thing is this. For the most part, you want to get those kids in. You're not going to have them that long if they're if they can play. And so you might as well get them in early turn the reins over to them regardless of who it is and just let them play and let them learn through their mistakes. And yes, that can be painful at times, but it's eventually going to pay off. Now it may not be for another year, but the fact of the matter is, is that that's what everybody's gra- tends to gravitate toward unless they just don't, you know, and a and fortunate has got the type of blue chip talent where they can afford to play those guys early. They, you know, they're, Arkansas, you know, they're going to lose Felipe Franks. They're probably more the – they don't have that kind of guy waiting in the wings. They're probably going to be more, let's say, receptive to a transfer-type quarterback coming in through the portal. I think A&M would prefer to ride with one of the guys that they have right now. Sure. we got about 15 seconds here before we got to get out of here. Tell me what's on Giggum 247. Uh, recruiting and, and talking A&M's uh, potential for the playoffs and – those are two hot topics right now, and they're not going to go away anytime soon. No, they're not. Jeff, I appreciate you jumping on with us today, and uh, maybe we'll catch you next week before the holidays if we don't. Merry Christmas to you and your family. Thanks for jumping on. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate you. There he goes, Jeff Tarpley from.